Well, hello. God bless. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we are, this is actually a re-recording or a re-live stream of a teaching that I did yesterday on Sunday morning. Um, was having some audio problems and uh, still kind of trying to work all those things out, but we're going to go ahead and re-record this today or re-live stream this today and put it back up again. But thank you for joining us. We will be looking at Matthew chapter 26. We have been studying through the book of Matthew in the New Testament for quite some time now, doing some other teachings in between as well. But we're on we're up to Matthew chapter 26. Uh, chapter 26 is a very long chapter, 75 verses. So I've been breaking it up into a few different teachings thus far. The last time that we gathered, um, we studied up through verse 30. So in our study for today, we're going to go ahead and pick it up in verse 31. So please go ahead and open your Bibles up there. If you have the opportunity, you have a Bible in front of you, please open it up and follow along with us and, and let the Word of God speak to your heart today. If you haven't heard any of our other teachings on Matthew chapter 26 or any other Bible teachings that we have out there, you can do so by uh, going to our website, which is on the screen here, www.aloveoutreach.com. Um, and of course, you can find us on YouTube um, and subscribe to us there uh, by searching for A Love Outreach. We are also on SoundCloud and on iTunes and on Spotify. But um, we're going to go ahead and jump on into um, verse 20, actually verse 31, sorry, of Matthew chapter 26, where it says, Then Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. So we've come to this point in the Gospel of Matthew where we will begin to read about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the Lord of all. And as we read here in verse 31, Jesus is letting his close disciples know, that's who he's speaking to here, his disciples, that everything is about to change. Everything's about to change. They've been walking with Jesus and following him everywhere for the last three years, but tonight would be the night when they would be on the run and fearing for their lives. They're going to be made to stumble. They're going to take off running. And this indeed would happen. But Jesus goes on in verse 32 here to try to give them a little comfort. And he says, but after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. So that's great news coming right on the heels of bad news. Yes, their, their shepherd, their Lord, their master, their teacher. He's going to be struck down, crucified, dead, and buried. But he's telling them that he will rise again. He's assuring them of that. But as we'll see here in verse 33, the apostle Peter will not pay much attention 
to the fact that they will very shortly see Jesus again after his death, he, he doesn't catch that part or it doesn't seem to sink in with him here. And he says in verse 33, Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. So Peter was focused on that statement by Jesus right there. And he's saying, forget about it, Lord. That ain't happening with me. That's what Peter's saying here. Peter is proud and strong. He will never stumble. He will never fall. Never fail, right? He will stand strong in the Lord no matter what, come what may. At least that's what he thinks at this moment. At least that's what he thinks at this point in his life. Have you ever noticed in your life where there's been times when you think you stand? You think you've got it all handled, you've got everything under control, only to find out that things are falling apart. We see the Lord knows this, and the Lord, all, He knows all things. He knows the end from the very beginning. He knows what lies ahead for the life of Peter here. And verse 34 tells us, Jesus said to him, Surely I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. So Matthew records here that it wasn't just Peter that had these kind of thoughts, right? All the disciples chimed in, you know, in their confident testimony of always being able to stand with Jesus. Isn't it something how we think we can stand strong, like I said, come what may, no matter what. When times are good, things are going well, there's, there's no trouble in sight. We can just go on confidently in our vain, puffed up, and ignorant minds, right? Now, I don't mean ignorant in an insulting way, because I'm speaking of myself in all of this too, okay? It's just that we don't know what tomorrow holds. And the Lord wants us trusting in Him through thick and thin. Verse 32 there is such a key verse, though, in this story. Jesus told them, But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. You see, our hope is not in our own strength. Jesus knew this about His disciples. Our ability to stand when troubled times come is not in our own strength. Our hope is in Christ alone. And for you and me today, we still live in a time where obviously the Lord has not yet returned. Just like the disciples would have to endure this short period of time where Jesus wasn't with them physically anymore. He was absent from them physically right? But if the disciples would have just truly heeded the words of the Lord, they could have had joy in the fact that he was going to rise from the dead and they would see him again. Keep that in mind. That's an important thing to remember in this story here. Today, the believer in Jesus who is walking by faith and not by sight, will understand that they cannot stand on their own. They will live in such a manner that 
They are hanging on every word of God as found in the Scriptures, the Holy Bible. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. That's what Jesus said. But through Christ, we can do all things. We can endure all things. But fixing our eyes on Jesus today is what we need to do. And by doing that, and by taking heed to what He promised, we can stay the course of faith and get through times of trouble. You see, Peter and the other disciples thought that, again, that they had what it took. They could do this. They could pull themselves up, you know, pull themselves up by their own bootstraps, to use an old idiom. But they would soon find out that that wasn't true. Today, you and me need the Lord. Many of you listening or watching this teaching either now or sometime in the future may have the mentality that you can stand on your own. You don't need a crutch. You don't need the Lord. I've been there, done that. That's why I preach Jesus today. That's why I teach the Word of God today. Because I need it. You may say, you don't. That may be where you are, just like where Peter was in his mentality here. Hey, I, I can do this. I'll stand strong. We'll soon find out what happened with Peter here, though. You know, but like I said, I've said that in my own life. I don't need a crutch. And I've had people say to me today, you got a crutch. I mean, not today, but, you know, in this day and age, people say, oh, you need that crutch, huh? And I say, oh, yes, indeed, I do. I, I need a crutch. I need a wheelchair. I need an ambulance. I need a hospital. But I found it all simply by leaning on the everlasting arms of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And again, the, the Lord knew that his disciples would not and could not stand strong on their own. He knew that they needed him as do all of us. We all need him. As the story goes on, and, and hopefully as your life goes on, you'll find that to be true. Let's go on. Verse 36, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful, sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. So here Jesus has Peter, James, and John off alone with him in the Garden of Gethsemane. And since Jesus is not yet in his glorified state, keep that in mind here. He is suffering agony as a man in the flesh. And he's pleading with a few of his friends here for them to, to just stay with him in this time of suffering. This is an extremely difficult time for Jesus. Verse 39, he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed saying, oh my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. 
So look, don't think for a moment that any of this was in any way easy for Jesus. We are told in the Gospel of Luke that Jesus was in such distress during this time that he sweated drops of blood. But what about his strong and bold and courageous and proud disciples? What about them? What about Peter's declaration of always standing with the Lord? Verse 40 continues and says, Then he came to the disciples and found them asleep and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? So, again, Jesus is over there in his agony for, for one whole hour, and he had pleaded with them to keep watch, to be with him in this time of trouble. But they, in their own strength, couldn't do it. So Jesus said to them in verse 41, Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So you see, we still deal with that today, don't we? The weakness of the flesh. But because of the risen Lord, we have an answer today. You and me, we have the answer to the weak flesh, that is. We have a solution. We have, there is a strength that we can have. And I'll address that here in just a little bit. But let's read on, verse 42. Again, a second time he went away and he prayed saying, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. So Jesus, knowing that they were weak, he let them sleep, and he went back to praying. But you see, one thing to keep in mind here is that the disciples, they had not yet received the Holy Spirit. And Jesus after he had risen from the dead, he instructed them to go to Jerusalem to wait for the promised Holy Spirit, which of course did indeed come upon them as they were waiting in the upper room. Today, believers in Jesus are filled with the Holy Spirit and now have a power within them that the disciples of Jesus had not yet had at the time of them being with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. We, right now, I'm speaking to disciples of Jesus now, right? We live in a time where we are to walk in the Spirit so that we do not fulfill the lust of the flesh or fall victim to the lust of the flesh, right? We have a strength, or better yet, we have a power that is not of us, but is in us through the Spirit of the Lord indwelling us. That power is within the true believer, the one that has repented and come to Christ, given their lives to Him and have determined to follow Him and to serve Him and to be not of this world and to be a servant in His kingdom. We are now to yield to 
the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Let me show you some scriptures here. Go ahead and mark this page. We're going to come back to it later uh, again. And turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. It's to the right of where we are in Matthew. About eight books to the right. It's just after the book of 2 Corinthians. Again, I want you to find Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And I want you to look down with me at verse 16. I want to start reading there. Galatians 5, 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, of course, the opposite would be true here as well, right? If we walk in the Spirit, it says, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But if we do not walk in the Spirit, well, guess what? We will fulfill the lust of the flesh. Many people ask questions like, why did this Christian, this pastor, this elder, this bishop, whatever, why did they fall into sin? Or why do they seem to be such a hypocrite? If they believe in Jesus, but yet they live like this, they're doing what the rest of the world around them seems to be doing, what the non-believer seems to be doing. Those that do not profess to be born-again followers of Jesus, sometimes you look and you say, why did that pastor fall? Why did that Christian fall? Why, does it, why did this happen or that happen, right? But the answer is simple. It really is. The answer is very, very simple as to why they fell or why I can fall. Or why you can fall. And that is, you're not walking in the Spirit. You're not walking in the Spirit. Now maybe that person that said they were a Christian never really even yielded their lives to the filling of the Holy Spirit. Or maybe they had, but they made a decision to walk in the flesh. And not walk in the Spirit. And go out and fulfill the lust of the flesh instead. You know, this can be the case for you, it could be the case for me, for anyone. Peter and the other disciples thought that they could stand on their own, in the power of their own flesh and in their own strength, without the power of the Spirit, of course. They didn't have it in their lives at that point in time. But they thought they could stand on their own, right? But the truth is, we cannot. We need to yield to the Spirit of the Lord, the working of the Lord in our lives. You see, if we didn't need the power of the Spirit, if the disciples of Jesus didn't need the power of the Spirit, the Lord would have never needed to send Him in the first place. But He knew the weakness of His disciples as He does with us today. So He gave them that power that is at work within them. But again, we must choose to walk in the Spirit, to yield to the leading of the Spirit. If we don't, then in the weakness of our own flesh, we will fall. 
our crutch, the help that we need to stand strong all the way till the end is the Holy Spirit. Again, many of you out there that may come upon this video, you may say, I don't need that. Again, I've been there, done that. Don't even waste your time, you know, being bothered with what I'm saying. If you have hatred toward the kind of things I'm saying, or you're against Christianity, or you're against believers in God, why are you even watching? But I tell you what, if you are watching, and you do have a longing deep within your heart to know if there is a God, let me tell you, it starts with repentance. That's the beginning of the gospel for everyone. You don't look out and look at everyone else around and say, oh, look how that Christian's living, look how that Christian's living. It's all about you. It's all about me. God's looking at me to see how then shall I be living? How then am I living? How about you? How then should you be living? Do you really care about God? And again, some many people don't in this day and age. Few find it. Few come to faith in Jesus Christ. The way is narrow. It's a narrow path. But if you do care, He's here for you. And if you'll repent, if you'll give your life to Him, He will give you the Holy Spirit, who Jesus called the Helper, the Comforter. Because you see, here's the thing. There is a constant battle that goes on for your soul and for my soul. Constant battle. Everyday battle. And it, that battle will continue all the way through our entire lives. There'll be a battle for your soul. Until we're absent from the body and present with the Lord. And in this battle... There's a war that rages on between the flesh and the spirit. Look at verse 17 here. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, it says. And the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if, see that? But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So, you see, the law convicts of sin. That's what the Bible teaches us. The law points out that we're all sinners. It proves that we are sinners. If there were no laws, there, there would be no sin. If God never said, thou shalt not covet, then we would never know that coveting was wrong. We, you know, we would never know that. The same holds true for adultery, for lying, Stealing, gossiping, being a busybody, <laughs> fornicating, on and on it goes. If we didn't know these things were wrong, if there was nothing that ever said they were wrong, like the Holy Bible, like God himself, well then, they wouldn't be sin. But what the Apostle Paul is teaching here in this letter is that if we are led by the Spirit, we're not going to give in to sin. Because we're walking in the Spirit and not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. And it's extremely important that we do not give in to sin. 
because sin will separate us from God. So when we talk about those pastors that fall, those Christians that fall, whomever it may be, again, it's very simple. Anybody that does not walk in the Spirit is susceptible to falling. Okay? But in the end, there are going to be people that will hear from Jesus, depart from me. And these will be people that will say to Jesus, oh, I did this in your name. I, I, I cast out demons. I healed the sick. I did this. I did that in your name, Lord. But he says to them, depart from me. I never knew you. You who practice lawlessness. In other words, you make a practice in your life of sin but yet you confess the Lord today. You profess to be his follower. So there are all kinds of people like that in the world today that confess the Lord. And look, let me tell you something. I could be one of those people. I can be one of those people if I do not walk in the Spirit. Because if I do not walk in the Spirit, I'm not holier than anybody, I'm a man in the flesh. If I do not walk in the Spirit, I will fulfill the lust of the flesh. But if I walk in the Spirit, I shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But you see, without holiness, no one is going to see God. Hebrews 12, 14 tells us. And therefore, we need to yield ourselves to the working, to the leading of the Holy Spirit that Jesus gives to those that believe in Him as their helper, as their comforter, as their counselor, as their guide to get through this life, we need the Holy Spirit. And not just do we need the Holy Spirit, we need to be obedient to the indwelling, that still small voice, choosing to walk in righteousness. Again, folks, look, just like Peter James and John and all the other disciples, we have no power to stand on our own. Today, tonight, tomorrow, like I said, I, I can give in to the lust of the flesh. I sure know that I can't stand if I don't yield to the leading of the Spirit. You know, 1 Corinthians ten twelve says, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall written to Christians, written to those that profess Jesus. Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. That's a warning to us all. You know, now that I've said that, let's go ahead and mark this page and uh, turn back a few pages to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It's just right before the book of Galatians actually is 2 Corinthians, and then right before 2 Corinthians is 1 Corinthians. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to start reading in verse 1. So 1 Corinthians 10, 1. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, 
God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. So here's a warning from the Apostle Paul who wrote this. Many people say, I believe in Jesus. I go to church. I'm of this religion. I'm of that religion. I was born a Christian. In other words, it's easy for us to, like Peter and the other disciples, to make a proclamation of how well off we already are. But just like those that were the children of God going through the wilderness, we too can fall short if we are not walking in the Spirit. This is what the New Testament teaches. This is what the Apostle Paul teaches in his writing as we're seeing today in Galatians and in Corinthians here. Verse 6, Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. You know, how easy is it for us in the flesh today to lust after things? How easy is it? I'm telling you again, I'll be the first to say that it's easy. It's easy for me if I don't yield to the leading of the Spirit. I can go any which way. I can do nothing apart from Christ and His Spirit. I need His strength. You know, I can steal, I can kill, I can lie, I can cheat, I can commit adultery. I can do all those things and more if I think that I can stand in and of my own power, the power of my flesh, my own convictions, my own proclamations. Paul continues in his warning here in verse 7, and he says, And do not become idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Wow. That sounds a lot like our world today, doesn't it? Sounds like the mindset of a lot of people. Eat, drink, and be merry, right? Seek pleasure, seek fun. Our own will be done. But that only leads us to fall and to be separated from God. Paul continues in verse 8, Nor let us commit sexual immorality, as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain, as some of them also complained, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the end of the ages have come. You see, we're living in the last days. It's the, end of, it's the end of the ages. God has done all that He's going to do to try to redeem mankind. It's all been done. It's all finished. Jesus said, it is finished. It's all been done. The only thing left is for the Lord to come back again. And for this earth as we now know it to be destroyed. And we can see the things written in the Old Testament and we can learn from them. And Jesus is waiting. He's long-suffering. He's not coming back yet because he's hoping that people will repent. 
that you will repent and turn to him. And then one day he will be back and it will be literally a whole different world. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of the Lord as it is written will not fail and it will come to fruition. Just like Jesus told Peter in the garden, I'm coming back, I'm going to rise from the dead. But Peter at that moment, without the leading of the Spirit, decided, Nah, I can stand on my own. I'm not going to deny you. I'll be right there with you. I'll die with you, Lord. I chuckle because we know what Peter really did, right? So we need to be sure today that we're not walking in the lust of the flesh, but rather walking in the Spirit. And we're ready to go in a quick moment, the twinkling of an eye. Are you ready for the return of Jesus today? But you know the scripture that I mentioned earlier, I want to read it here in verse 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. It goes on to say, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. You see, by the power of the Spirit, we can flee from sin. And the war, again, it wages on daily. And you and me can only be free from sin if we are in Christ, walking in the Spirit, led by the Spirit. Why do Christians fall? Why do Christians struggle with sin? Because they think that coming to Christ is just a one-time thing. Oh, I checked that box. I bought my fire insurance. I walked down the aisle years ago. I said a little prayer years ago. But then they just kept keeping their eye on the flesh, the lust of the flesh. They took their eye off of the Lord. They didn't press on toward the mark of their high calling in Christ Jesus. They didn't stay faithful till the end. And they didn't realize that there's a struggle. There's a battle. You become a soldier in the army. You're now fighting against the lust of the flesh. The flesh and the spirit are contrary to one another. You cannot fulfill the lust of the flesh and think that you are in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. And as we flip back to Galatians chapter 5, hopefully you mark that page, picking it up in verse 19. It says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Remember what Jesus said? What I quoted him saying earlier? Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That's what Jesus said is going to happen in the end. People are going to hear that, even though they profess that they knew him. And they did things in his name because they practiced sin in their lives. 
So do you really think that you can willfully continue in sin and inherit the kingdom of heaven? Let me tell you something. I know that that doctrine exists. And I know that many people that come upon this teaching may not like it. But you won't find that doctrine in the Word of God. That whole, I'm saved by grace, I can keep sinning doctrine. I can keep fulfilling the lust of the flesh and I'm saved by grace. doesn't exist. Because the person that is truly in Christ, truly saved, truly led by the Spirit, this is what their life looks like, starting in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. In other words, if you're walking led by the Spirit, it's all good. You're doing, everything, you're doing what's good. Love. You have peace, you have joy, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, right? Verse 24, and those who are Christ have what? They have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Does it get any plainer than that? Do you see that? Those that are Christ have crucified, that is, they're dead to, they no longer walk in, no longer willfully fulfilling the lust of the flesh and the passions and the desires of the flesh. If we live in the Spirit, verse 25, let us also walk in the Spirit. That's the admonition here. We've got to do that. We've got to make that choice to walk in the Spirit. Let us not become Conceited. Remember Peter, verse 26, right? Let us not become conceited. Peter in the garden. Ah, not me. I'll always stand. I'm good. Oh, I'm good. Oh, my religion's good. Oh, you know, I'm good. I'm, you know, yeah, I continue in sin. But I'm good. I'm saved by grace. You know, I could keep sinning. Provoking one another, envying one another, it says. You see, I'm constantly exhorting you in these teachings and me at the same time because when I sit down and I write these teachings, it's directed at me, I'm telling you. I mean, look, if, if, if no one ever sees this video, if no one ever listens to this audio ever in the future, it's for me. It's for me. It's me. There's an old children's song, right? It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. You see, and we've got to examine ourselves, right? Don't buy the false doctrine that teaches you that you can continue in sin and still be saved in the end. Again, you're not going to find that in the Bible. If you'll just take the time to rightfully divide the word of truth, do you read the word of God yourself? Do you study it? Do you see what it really says? Or, or are you just following a doctrine of your religion? what a pastor, what a Bible teacher like me tells you. You see, you always should check what I'm saying. You should dig in yourself and figure it out yourself and say, what does it say? What does it really teach? I want to end this morning by, or really I'm recording this in the afternoon at this point in time, but um, uh, I want to end by going back into Matthew chapter 26 so hopefully you had marked that page somehow too. Verse 45. 
is speaking of Jesus. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. So, a monumental moment is about to take place in the life of Jesus. And a monumental moment awaits all of us that are still alive on the earth today. Someday soon, either upon our death or upon the return of the Lord, we will be in his presence and facing the judgment. And the question is, are you still sleeping and resting? Are you still spiritually dead to the will of the Lord? Can you, can I, can, can we not focus ourselves on the Lord today? Are we find our, finding ourselves like the disciples in the garden, slumbering, sleeping, because we're not yielding to the leading of the Spirit. Instead, we're walking in the lust of the flesh and thinking that we're okay because like Peter, we make some proclamation, some declaration with our mouth that says, oh, I'll never do that. Oh, I confess positive things, but yet you're falling into sin because you're not yielding to the Spirit of the Lord. See, this is a warning from the Word of God for us today. We need to be led by the Spirit. And as a result of being led by the Spirit, we need to be operating, or should I say, living in the fruit of the Spirit. We need to beware, because when we think we stand, when we think we're good enough in and of our own selves, our religion, our convictions, our proclamations, like I said, it is then that we are susceptible to falling. We need to walk in the Spirit, folks. Seek the Lord today. Is there something in your life that you need to stop? You need to repent? You need to turn around? Maybe you've never come to Christ at all? Well, it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up from your sleep, whomever you are, wherever you are. We, we need to be obedient to the Lord, to the word of the Lord, and realize that his word is truth. It never fails. And what it says, it means. You can call out to the Lord today in repentance. And you, you can begin today to live life anew. A life that he will give you, this new life he will give to you by the indwelling of his spirit because if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation old things one hour ago is old things old things have passed away yesterday old things five years ago ten years ago 15 20 it's all old things old things pass away all things become new when you're in Christ but then we need to walk in Christ on a daily basis let's go ahead and close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, your living word. 
that it's sharp, Lord. It cuts. It goes within us, Lord. Many don't like to hear it. It's hard sometimes to hear your word, Lord, because it's contrary to our flesh. It's contrary to the passions and the desires of our flesh, God. But it is what is required. It is required that we repent and that we be born again. Jesus, you said you must be born again. And I pray for every heart that is watching this, Lord, for the souls that will hear this today or sometime in the future, if it be your will, Lord, that they hear it, so be it. I do this by faith, Lord, but I pray for the souls of people that will hear this, that they will turn their eyes to you, Lord, that they would repent and come unto you as the author and the finisher of their faith. Be our strength, Lord. Fill us with your spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless. Thank you again for watching, for listening. And uh, if we can help you in any way, you can reach out to us. You can go to our webpage here on the screen, aloveoutreach.com, and you can uh, fill out our contact form there. Let us know that you, you watch. Let us know that you listen. If you have any questions that we can answer for you or any way that we can help you, praying for you, whatever it may be, um, we'd love to do it. So God bless, and we'll see you next time.